0: All right, welcome to Ruby Rogues today. Today we've got Catherine.
1: Hi, hi.
2: Dave. Hey, everyone. Eric. Hey! And our special guest is uh, Elif Lavi. Hi there. Except for it's, it's not Lavi. What is it, F? Uh, how do you say your last name? Lavi. Lavi. Now we're, now we're talking. And it's Eliov. Uh, True. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like we've gone over this twice already. (laughs) It's an interesting topic. (laughs) 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 So today we're going to talk about other things. Dave, go ahead and and take us from here.
1: Yeah, so uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, What are you doing? Who do you work for? And what are some of the things that you've done in the community?
3: Certainly. so I, I work for a company based in Tel Aviv and New York called Riskified in which I'm a, a back-end developer doing Ruby mostly uh, and recently some Scala. Um, I'm not trained uh, as a developer in my past like I studied um, music as uh, justice Catherine. Um, <laughs> yeah so uh, which is pretty it's neat. best club ever. It's the best club ever. Yeah. Catherine is correct. Um, so I studied uh, how to play the lute in Jerusalem Music Academy. Uh, the lute is like an ancient mother and father of the guitar, sort of, uh, which is very, very niche and specific. Um, and you do like music of the times of Bach with it, uh, like classical music, which is very old. Um, and I also sang, and I did all sort of musical stuff. And but actually, I was like this nerd kid slash whiz kid, like that fixed the computer for my dad and mom since like I was four or something. And in like the old PC uh, that the family used to have. And but then I like neglected it, went to do music, and did a lot of early music and popular music, and da 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 da. And then I came a full circle with um, landing upon a job at Riskify, which was actually like my first um, day job in my life, sort of. Um, I mean, musicianship is a job, but it's like more gigs. Uh, yeah, C- Catherine, I see you understand me.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a different type of career. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so, yes, yeah, so uh, I did this for a long while, but um, it was kind of hard in Israel to actually make a decent living out of it. So I I think that's pretty much everywhere. <laughs> Unless you <it's laughs> like or very pronounced. Perhaps uh, perhaps um yeah, I hear that kind of complaint from musicians in the states as well and Europe as well, but um we have our circumstances uh so uh, it's not a competition Everybody uh, <laughs> yes. Everybody deserves to be poor
0: um, <laughs> All <sorry>. musicians <laughs> <do that. laughs>
4: Yeah, so I'm more. sorry about that <laughs> If you take anything away From this week's episode <laughs> 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 No, no, oh my gosh That is a joke Do not take that seriously
3: <laughs> so Yeah C- Certainly not uh, Yeah, maybe we need to delete that one <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Anyway, so I, I, I had my share of that and I love that. And I still do that, but uh, not as a full time job as I used to do it in the past. And long story short, I came to Riskified as a risk analyst. What Riskify does is like guarantees that um, uh, we work with merchants online that sell their stuff uh, like Macy's and Footlocker and uh, Wish. And a lot of merchants, uh, lots of lots of merchants that um, like submit their transactions to Riskified, and we like say in like real time whether it's fraud or not, uh, card card credit card fraud, and this is like a big, big thing now in e-commerce that there are a lot of competition in the field and a lot of merchants doing that in-house. So we're like the outsource solution we're doing pretty well. Um, so we're like been around for five years and we're doing this um, with several big names, as I've mentioned before, and it's been going pretty well. But when I joined, it was a very small company. Uh, like I'm, I think I'm like the 15th employee And I started as a risk analyst with no experience in anything. And they just like were kind enough to take me on and um, give me the opportunity to uh, just like screen transactions, whether they're fraud or not. And they taught me how to do that. And since it was a very small startup, you can like, you're getting exposed. I was getting exposed to lots of dev talk. And over the years, I was like stealing small chores Um, from bigger devs and like saying, oh, I studied some Ruby, I I can do that for you because the company, since it started, started on Ruby on Rails, which was pretty neat because it was relatively easy for me to get get on board with that. And after some time, I I did some Ruby and JavaScript jobs that nobody else wanted to do. And after some time, I uh, like, told them guys I kind of want to be a dev I know I didn't have the education but I want to do that so they were awesome and told me yeah no let's let's do that so I've been doing that professionally in the last year and a half uh, since the beginning of 2017 and and yeah and we uh, we have a very neat team of like Ruby lovers and enthusiastic um, that like does all that. And um, yeah, that's about uh, how I got to my job.
4: <laughs> I wow. love those types of stories. So you're completely self-taught and no school or anything. Oh, that's so impressive.
3: Yeah, I'm, I like no school or anything and no boot camp also. We don't do that much here. We started to do that in Israel recently, but it's not like big as in the U.S., the boot camp thing. And, um, I think what I did was just like a lot of blogs and books and the Ruby community is so amazing. And like the, how it lends itself to people who wish to learn, it just allows people to learn so nicely comparing to other stuff that I've tried to learn in the past, um, which is a huge thing, I, I think. Um, so it was like just something I did, like people People accompanied me within Riskified on tasks I was doing, and I was reading books and blog posts. Um, meanwhile, on the side, and yeah, and then yeah, I guess you, that's what happened.
4: That's great. That's a great note to a lot of companies. If you have someone who wants to transition into dev, support them through that, and, and you will reap the rewards as they are with you.
3: Yeah, I what think it's... Uh, a it's really it's a really cool notion to mention
2: what's the developer scene like in israel is it is it a fair do you have uh, like user groups out there where you meet up and all that stuff as well is it a fairly popular uh direction for career
3: or i'm just curious so uh yeah they're actually are a lot of devs around here and there are conferences constantly and newsletters and podcasts in hebrew and there actually are a lot of ruby developers because rails is like just like in in the u.s or the rest of the world it's pretty big for startups or at least used to be now it's in you know it's like the whole talk about like uh, how people are supposedly going away from Ruby, but um, um, it's still pretty common to see uh, Rails jobs or not not so much pure Ruby, I'd say, but Rails jobs are pretty common to find in the Israeli market. And alongside with lots of other programming language uh, languages named mostly Java, Scala, Uh, JavaScript, lots of JavaScript, lots of front-end around here. Um, So it's pretty active. Um, It is. I've been uh, recently, we, Riskified, hosted some meetup about, uh, a Scala meetup. And it's funny because everybody in the room probably speaks Hebrew, but everything happens in English because it's just easier to talk dev in English in a way so it creates like a funny mix it's pretty interesting. Uh, I I remember I was like not laughing but I found it funny in a way and cute.
2: I've always found it interesting when when reading code uh, English is the it seems to be the common denominator across the world. Uh, except for maybe in uh core ruby where I, as as I understand it quite a bot, quite a bit of documentation is written in um written in Japanese. So Good thing I know how to say, which means I need to go to the bathroom. So if I ever find that in the doc, I'm sure I'm that's in the, the back, documentation a lot. Exactly what he's talking about. It's uh, I think it's under the eject method, right? Oh, my God. Comedy brought to you
4: today. Whoa. Bye. He'll be here all week, folks. <laughs>
2: Uh, wow, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the, uh, the the project that you've been working on, uh, which is called Time Timeasure. Time Measure, what? yeah. Time Measure. Why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit about that?
3: Of course. So I'll start with just like describing why, like why, why did we need it and why did I create it? Um, but um the bottom line is it's right now it's uh, it's a gem that um, Riskified released um, It's something that I worked on at Riskified for Riskified um, for the company, and we needed a way to uh, to measure the runtime of code of specifically methods in in the riskified code base in the main app that is a Rails app, as I mentioned um, and we needed, to, um, we needed to have a, v- a very easy way to, uh, to declare methods that we want to track the runtime in production and not like, like in some neutral, non-realistic environment such as staging or playground or whatever you want to call it. And which is something that we think is very important, and one of one of the key things in Time Measure that it's safe to use in production. Um, and it basically just like it's a very easy DSL. It's a very easy uh, code DSL. I mean, you probably know. We all probably know what DSL mm-hmm. is. It's a very easy DSL to use. That you can just like say, "Hey, I want to track this myth- method in this class," and voila, you have like. Um, Within a certain transaction that you're working on, like some controller uh, method that you some some root route root. You say route or root. So yeah. So if you have like some root, I'll stick to root. If you have some root um, that is important to you, and you have methods that are time critical in that happens within that root, uh, which is usually for us, it's not like it's big. We have like those big chunks of ruby code that like it gets transactions and analyzes all the data within a certain transaction of a specific merchant and it enriches the data there's a lot going on there it's not just like your plain view that get gets rendered easily Uh, there's a lot of lot of code and data sanitization and enrichment with external data sources lots of fun. So we want to know, we wanted to know where do we spend most time? And we found out that like the obvious solution of just like starting to indent methods uh, with curly braces and having to deploy just for that, like, sorry, I'm not sure it's very clear. Like I'll start over. <laughs> we wanted to have a very, very easy way to, um, to declare which methods are crucial for us to the time, the runtime of those methods, and the um, what we came about with the first solution we came we came we came with was um, just like declaring like within the body of the methods, like uh, saying that we want to track specific code, and then you get like a lot of git noise. You get a lot of um, deploys that in in crucial areas that are very scary. Just because you want to declare time measurement for a specific code area in your code, and we wanted to create like a framework that would enable us to um, to track code from a diff- from like from the outside, from the top of the class or something like that, and that's essentially what we did with time measure. It's um, it's a very easy way for any developer that uses it. Any developer in Riskified now uses it um, almost and that's pretty much it. Like it's just collects the data, the runtime of every method for you easily. And yeah, that's, that's what it is. When you were trying to
4: solve this problem, did you look at uh, some gems first, other gems out there and and see what worked and what didn't? Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, of course. So um, so we used New Relic, which is amazing and awesome, and we love it. And New Relic actually offers something a bit similar to that. Um, but it wasn't exactly what we wanted because we felt that it could be better. And we started by using that, obviously, like you don't invent the wheel, as we say. Um, you want to use whatever out there first, and we did that. But it just... Like as much as we love New Relic, this specific method tracer, as they call it, which does pretty much exactly that, um, for several reasons just like didn't work well enough for us. And we were we, we were feeling pretty adventurous about that. And we say, Oh, I think we can we can like take that idea and like do that even better. So that that's what happened. I, I took the advantage the uh, the adventure because I felt I don't know. I kind of like this kind of stuff, like seeing something and then like trying to improve it um, in a respectful way. But yeah, so that's what happened.
1: So the data that you're gathering from uh, your time measure, how is it stored? Does it just sort in a database or does it log it off or ship it off to a third party so you can kind of get some graphs and dashboards? Or does it have a built-in web UI that you can kind of see a overview of your data?
3: That's a great question because um, one of the things that was crucial to me when to us, when we uh, developed that, was to separate uh, the concern of collecting th- the measurements, uh, which needs to be very, very light because basically, time measure interferes within the Ruby object model upon each method call. So you want to be very, very light. It's like middleware stuff. You want to be very, very light not to slow down anything by your very measurement. Um, and that's one aspect. And the other aspect is like what to do with all the collected measurements. So, so the first phase is actually just like every method call that is declared as direct method is collected in, in memory, basically. And then at the end of the transaction, you get to choose what you want to do with that. And what we wanted to do with that is send it to New Relic Insights, which is just like uh, BI tool that New Relic offers, which is awesome and very easy to work with. It looks beautiful. It has beautiful colors. It has like this query language that they, they came up with, which is very, very handy and very easy to use. And you can actually set up alerts from it. So like if something crucial happens and like suddenly some methods like going crazy, um, which is not something that we do, but you can do it. And we love it. We use it for many other things. But it's pretty like separate. Like it's the second phase of what you can do with time measure. And the basic thing is just like the DSL and the fact that you can um, easily. um, It's kind of hard to talk about without showing the code. But if if you look at the example on GitHub, you see how much more elegant it looks than like the solution you'd come up with in five minutes. So if I can brag.
4: You can definitely brag. <laughs> it looks like a really cool gem. And to have something that can go up into production like that um, without slowing down your app is
3: great. If I can comment about that, you were asking about other uh, gems or solutions. So Ruby Prof is like, people like came up to me and say, why don't you use Ruby Prof? And I was like, Rubyprof is fantastic, but it's like... I love it and I use it a lot in my development cycle, but it's just not fit for production in a way. It's like, mm-hmm. it's pretty much, it slows your code significantly. If you like try to do that, you don't want to, as, as I found it, you don't want to do that. Maybe somebody else has different experience, but in my experience, it's just not what you're supposed to do with it. And Measuring time in production is so different than measuring it in a neutral environment because like your customers, our customers, can do so many things and they can surprise you in so many ways that you can never mock it and come up with just like something that is remotely similar to what you're gonna get in production. Like production is wild and you need to be ready for that. You need to you need to build your solution according to that.
1: Yeah. I can definitely attest to that. I'm amazed by some of the input that I get from users. And I'm like, this is why you sanitize user input. So
3: you got that right.
1: (laughs) It's amazing some of the things that they try to do. Um, But that's really cool. And that's impressive and commendable that to have such little overhead on something that is not invasive, but touches so much of the application that even you know a ten millisecond call on a transaction that's maybe touching thirty methods, uh, that that'll stack up and slow things down quite a bit. So uh, that's that's pretty awesome. Now, have you guys built in any kind of integrations to anything other than New Relic Insights? Because that's part of their paid portion, uh, isn't it, or is that part of their free tier?
3: That's correct. That's part of their paid portion. And actually when I, um, when I came up with the gem, um, I wanted to make like a demo website and I was like, oh, I'm going to use New Relic because it's so beautiful and I, I love it. And then I was like, uh, uh, that's not free and I can't like really <laughs> use it and that kind of bombed me off and um, but I understand it's like that's their business and I was looking for other solutions and the first thing that came to my mind was okay, like, let's give Google Analytics a shot but it didn't kind of like fit and the other one the other service that I tried using was keen IO um, which is a very neat and um, similar a New Relic ser- kind of service. Um, it just, like, it's good for demonst- demonstration purposes. It's just, like, not as um, specific and and uh, mature as New Relic, but it's pretty promising, and I had a very good experience working with that. It's just another BI service that you can, like, feed JSON or uh, events data to it, and mm-hmm. it will aggregate it, and, like, you can visualize Visual, visualize it and uh, query upon it uh, I love this kind of stuff like it's it's always a very very nice feeling to gather data and then like get visual about it I love doing that
1: yeah uh, suggestion for the future if you've ever used the uh, sidekick gym they have uh, my program has where you can mount a web portion uh, which is just a rails engine uh, that's provided by Sidekick into your file or into your routes file. And it can then launch a web interface just for that portion. So if you don't need it or if you don't want it because you're going to use New Relic Insights or Keen.io, then you don't have to add it in there. But if you want it, then it's available. Uh, so does uh, TimeMatcher have any kind of dependencies on like Redis or anything like that? Or does it just try to make that external call? um in line with it or does it kind of do it in its own separate
0: background job. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for DevChat.TV. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world and provides terrific services, including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at DigitalOcean.com. Thanks for the sidekick
3: recommendation. I'll check that out. Um, regarding uh, dependencies, it's actually pretty dependency-free in its core. Um, what I did in order to support like a general... Um, like to generalize the jam was to uh, enable configuration for each of these crucial parts. So for example, we you can you can choose to store the within the course of the transaction, you can define or configure time measure to store the data uh in Redis, which is what we do in Riskified. Um and you can use it in memory if you want to. Um and just as well you can def- you can configure time measure to send events after uh the transaction finishes you can you can like just like take it and send it to New relic but that's up to you, you like you choose how to use it and the core thing is that it helps you um, track each method from each class in an organized fashion uh, and an easy way to retrieve it in the end and that's pretty much it Um, how do you how do you want to send it and visualize it that's like totally up to the user cool
4: you wrote a couple of really cool articles, um, blog posts, about your journey creating the time-measure gem. Um, and we'll have those in our show notes for anyone to check out. And it's great. It gets more into the technical details. Um, I'd love for you to speak on the inspiration you got from the book Metaprogramming Ruby 2.0 and how that changed how you approached this gem.
3: Certainly. So as you mentioned, uh Paolo Peroda's book, uh Metaprogramming Ruby 2, was a major inspiration for me uh, in creating Time Measure. And in general, it's it's a terrific book. And I've heard its name come up a few times in the past from several people and makes me happy because I think it's like if I had to choose one Ruby book, uh, it would probably be this one. Um, which like it just talks about a pretty advanced topics in a way that is very accessible. It's very well-written. The examples are terrific. And it's just fun to read. So Paola Porotta actually delves into topics that are I find pretty advanced and pretty unique for Ruby. One of them is um, uh, prepend, module prepend, which is something new that came to Ruby 2. Um, which allows developers to actually interfere in the in the way that the Ruby object model works, and it, this was the, like the crucial and key thing for time Measure to work and to be um, to be the thing that it came to be because what it actually basically does is um, it, wh- whenever you declare that you want to use it, it comes up first. Uh, as the first listener to uh, any method calls, that means that if I'm um, if I'm including timer in my class and declaring that I want to track some method, there are actually going to be another class uh, the timer creates anonymously, and it's going to come up first upon the the uh, what is called the ancestors chain uh, without the user actually knowing that, and that I find that very Ruby, if you know what I mean. It's like it's very like some of the developers that uh, don't come from we come call this stuff black magic because they're afraid of that, but I think that when you know how to use that, it's it's an amazing power that it's just at the tip of your hands, and I, I would never find out about module prepend. I think uh, man, not maybe not never, but it was a really well introduction. Um, to to the topic uh found in in Paolo Perota's book. Uh, and it's just very well explained. And it's kind of like when we when we discussed the problem, I was like, there is this very cool thing called module prepend. And my like my colleagues didn't really know about that at the time. And suddenly, like a, in, an insanely complex problem looks pretty simple when you just know you, you like you know your tools, you know. When you know the, the language pretty intimately, I call that.
4: Well, your blog post definitely got me to buy the book. It is in the mail. <laughs> I can't wait to
3: read it. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm so <laughs> glad to hear that. <laughs> do, you,
4: do you find, so it's the second edition of the book, um, do you find that there are enough changes in Verbi since that edition that? that there are some things that are a little out of date or is it pretty up to date?
3: Great question. Uh, because it inspires me to think about (laughs) it. I'm so sorry to do that to you. (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's a great activity. I love doing that. Um, well, I think perhaps, perhaps there are some new things that are, um, like that could be uh, written in like a in a new edition uh, I'm not quite we can ask Paulo if uh, perhaps it's a, it's a great question what he thinks uh, but I think a lot of as, as as I read the book a lot of core stuff came to Ruby uh, after Ruby 1 eight like Ruby one nine and Ruby 2 it feels to me I, I joined the Ruby community when like it was Ruby two. To three, I think. I'm not quite sure. And in Riskified, we were using Ruby 2.2.4 at the time. So that's what I knew and that's what I had. And I think it feels to me like the major leaps um, are around Ruby 2, but I'm sure there are a lot of interesting stuff to write about and like like, yield self from Ruby 2.5 is like super exciting for me. I'm not quite sure about metaprogramming um, in newer versions of Ruby, but it's a great thing to check. I need to check that. Well, I'm still going to read it. <laughs> Definitely do that.
4: Yes. I bet there's a lot I can get out of it.
2: One thing that I noticed <clears throat> looking through your code is that you are an, a very elegant. Uh, developer. Your code is very elegant. Your, your comments were exceptional. And uh, me going through and having, uh, being able to see pretty good explanations of why things are happening, especially when it doesn't provide a lot of context because it's pulling from other modules and whatnot. I, it's very impressive. So I, I just wanted to commend you on that.
3: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And yeah, I think like, I think even if like wh- whatever topic you're working on, whether it's like business, like hardcore business logic or something very abstract, such as time measure, you can get a lot, you can achieve a lot uh, with really like being careful and um, about your method naming mostly. I think this is this is one of the thing that I love about Ruby, that everything is like a query in a way. And it's like, it tempts you to, to phrase the questions, which are the methods in like this very expressive way. And I love that it, it, it reminds me of writing and of being poetic about stuff. And, and yeah, I tried to do that in time measure. I tried to, I tried to give, uh, the best name i could to, to to the classes and to the methods uh so i'm really happy it's like if you're perusing the code and it's like something that you can grasp it's it's i find that an achievement
4: code uh, is poetry may we all strive for that
3: yes be sure so,
2: so you got to pull out the lute and catherine you and <laughs> you and eliav need to do a a, a lute duet <laughs> A luet, if you will. A luet. Oh, God.
3: I love that. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not without my lute. I'm without my lute. <laughs> and office. I'm without
4: my voice. I don't know where it went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no.
3: that, that's like a common singer excuse. Don't believe it.
2: Um, well, Kath, Catherine gave a talk uh, a couple of years ago on the, uh, the, the uh, parallel between musicians and developers. And so many times we have on the show uh developers who are also musicians, and it always kills me. I'm like, I really wish I could play an instrument or sing because I would be such a better developer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's an interesting thesis. I I think we, we talked about that before that uh Catherine and I, that there are a lot of developers that are musicians and I see this in like around me in Israel as well. Um, I don't know if this like it helps in a way, but it certainly is like, it gives you a different perspective about life in general. And uh, yeah, why not? Like you can learn the ukulele. It's pretty easy.
4: Yeah, that's one of my favorites. It's good for my small hands.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the
4: a little big sometimes. <laughs> yeah, ukulele is so easy to learn and it's, it's relatively inexpensive to buy. So yeah, go buy a ukulele.
3: And it yeah. has a nice sound.
4: Yes, it does.
2: I've got oh, right Eric Woo, is pulling out a guitar. Very That's nice. I know.
4: Yep. Hey, that was an in-tune c- chord, so way to go, Eric.
2: I, I used an app.
4: <laughs> nice. I use an app to tune mine as well. Yep. <laughs> ah, technology.
3: <laughs> yep. Good go.
2: <clears throat> now I feel like we should do a song.
3: <laughs> Catherine, you should lead that.
4: Is there a time <laughs> measure song?
3: <laughs> I, I certainly hope there is not. not
4: like, I mean, come on, that's a music joke built in there. <laughs> like it's time measure in, you know, two four or four four or yeah, seven eight. Sorry right. for anyone who doesn't get that joke.
3: <laughs> so it's, lost. A funny, it's a funny musician joke. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny how funny you guys think it is. <laughs> it is pretty funny if you like Green the lingo.
4: <laughs> I swear it's funny, Eric. Believe me. <laughs>
2: oh, no, I, I'm sure. Sounds funny to me. <laughs> There's something funny going on, that's for sure.
4: <laughs> we'll have to create a song for time measure. It can be your own, your own little gem commercial a jingle if you will a time measured jingle
3: that scares me but
2: make sure you do the uh, use the voice from the original hobbit cartoon you know what i'm talking about no no greatest adventure (laughs) remember that song oh it's like come on am i dating myself here Oh, so the greatest adventure is yet to be said uh, that that's, was pretty good right I agree I'm sure that was funny
4: for people who who know the reference <laughs> same <laughs> as our time measure joke
2: <laughs> I am gonna put that as my pick that song <laughs> yeah well I, I is there some is there anything that we haven't covered yet? So, I have a question for you. Uh, so, what kind of
1: results have you seen from Time Measure? So, what impact has it made in your application? Were you able to go through and refactor some slower points in your application that are just now blazing fast? Because so I assume with uh, doing some kind of credit card validation, that needs to be a fairly immediate response back to the merchant services.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks. Um, so, I'll start by saying that uh i didn't say before that new relic uh, as we use it does offer like what what they call the apm and you can see how long it took any transaction to finish in general this is like something that is very easy to to know uh, and to to understand from new relic the problem was like understanding where within the, that transaction the problems lie yeah. and and so we knew like that our transaction like our our main main transactions take this and that time to finish um in average. And when we started throwing measure in into the code base, um, which as I explained, like allows allowed us to do it very like easily and without fear of breaking anything or breaking too much. And we started throwing that in, and we we, we threw the, the the data to to insights to neurallic insights, and we start getting those graphs about areas in the code and methods, specific methods, and then we started like getting wow, why is this taking so long? And you start like understanding that this top level method is like taking a lot of time, and you say I'm gonna like it's comprised of like say four other methods, so we started time measuring these four methods and. So etc. And then you get to the core of the problem and you find out it's like this weird, stupid caching uh, technique that we've been using, which was very inefficient or um, something that uh, calls an external service twice for no reason and all sorts of bizarre uh, kind of problems that are very easy to miss. Um, And suddenly it's like. You, you just like getting this focus time measure helped us get focused on specific methods and 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 then like when we had these at hand just assign developers within the sprint task like we gave sprint tasks to specific developers to start like solving those problems and usually yes you say it was a very short cycle because when you find the problem it's even most of the time it's very easy to solve it it's very easy to like get a huge impact a huge improvement within a very like a day or two of work max usually and yeah so so like um basically yeah we 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 found out like the main offenders as we we love to call them uh and then it was just kill it like let yeah. it go and uh, we we were pretty amazed at some of the stuff that we found like and you know we like we take our code seriously but sometimes the stuff that sneaks in is like surprising and and it's sometimes it's very hard by the way sometimes the stuff that we found was like triggered major refactors that we say oh okay that's like that's a big job um, but but many many times it was like these small things and like I, I dare you check your caching mechanism because sometimes there was this thing with Rails cache that like exploded for some bizarre reason and all, all sorts of like funny I'd say um, things that like just take a lot of time and mm-hmm. for no reason
1: well cool it's always cool seeing the fruits of our labor, you know, come to fruition. So I'm definitely going to have to check out the time measure gem to see, you know, where some slowness that I have in my app? I don't know about a new Relic paid instance, but, you know, maybe I can log ship it out to uh, something somewhere else.
3: I mean, basically you can start with just like logging it out. Um, mm-hmm. It really depends on like it's up to you Um, you certainly don't have to use new relic um, insights but um, you can save it to a DB if you want to and like query it and just like analyze it in your own way because analysis is like very personal so this is the reason I kept this part easily configurable Uh, I didn't I didn't want it to just I didn't want it to to decide for anybody how to use the data that I'm helping uh, in getting
1: that's cool. Some some assembly required like it.
3: <laughs> it kind of works out of the box in a way, uh, but to get the most out of it, you will need to configure it.
1: Yeah. Well, cool. Zay, uh, do you have anything else? Anyone have any other questions?
3: I'm I'm, I'm covered in my end, I think.
1: Awesome. Well, if people want to find you on the internet, uh, on Twitter or GitHub, where do they go?
3: So I blog. I have a blog on Medium, um, which is a great platform. I love it. Um, it's just my name, Eliav Lavi uh, at Medium. And if you Google it, it's probably the first thing to come up. If you Google my name. I um, The Time Measure Jam is published under Riskified's GitHub account, Um which is just uh, github.com slash riskified. And you can, like, I I encourage anybody to go up and look that up. And I'm sort of on Twitter. I don't do that a lot. It's not so big in Israel as it is in the States, but we do do that a bit. Um, So, yeah, I'm on Twitter just with my name as well. And that's pretty much my social appearance, social media appearance. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. And
1: I guess let's move on to some picks.
0: Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android. And all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says, pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. David,
2: the epics. I do. I've got this um, Medium article I've just really been enjoying, just talking about our our lives kind of as as um, the hero's journey <laughs> thinking about whether or not we um, we're doing well and it's, it's a good read it's just uh, let us see kind of how to keep working you know on problems so make your life a story worth reading i'll, I'll share that that link
1: awesome and catherine
4: yeah. So my pick this week is a book that I read uh, called Women in Tech, Take Your Career to the Next Level. It's by Tara Wheeler and it's got some great practical advice um, from anything from building your first resume to building your freelance company and, you know, all the the. Logistics that go into that, and as well as it has some inspiring stories. So I think it's really good for someone just getting into the career, as well as for somebody that's taking their career to the next level. Uh, so I really recommend it.
2: Awesome. And Eric, uh, my pick today is golf, it helps old people feel athletic. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <looking> at <WS4. laughs> Oh, I've That's, been such an athlete lately. It's just been crazy. Zipping around on my cart, standing up for two minutes while I hit a ball and then getting right back in that cart. <laughs> I, I'm an athlete. <laughs> yes.
1: All right. And I'll jump up, uh, jump in with the pick. So we went to Walmart the other day and I have three kids. So I'm always looking for some kind of activity to keep them busy. And we found these little sun catchers. You know, I hadn't done these since I was a little kid, but they're just these clear little plastic silhouettes that you can paint in and then put it on the window and it, you know, just shines in. So it's kind of like a a poor man's stained glass, if you will. So uh, got to see the kids' wonderful little projects there. And it was a lot of fun and very fulfilling. Yeah. Right. And
3: LEF, do you have picks? Uh, yeah. So my pick is the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which I've just visited. Mm. I just came back from a trip in the U.S. and Canada, uh, which was a lot of fun. And... Like in some mysterious way, we uh, my partner and I landed in Pittsburgh, and which was a very cool city. It's my first time there and I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And the thing is that I thought I don't like Andy Warhol. I like art a lot, but I uh, I thought I don't like Andy Warhol. And this museum just like proved to me that it's all a matter of how do you put stuff up? And how do you make stuff look like? And suddenly, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. I want to see more of this guy. So, yeah, it's a really cool place. Go see that if you're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
1: Cool. Well, thank you for being
3: on the show today. Thank you for hosting me. Yeah, and we will uh, see you around. Thank you, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Bye. Bye. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you